0: Well, good morning everybody i've had the the thumbs up from the balcony that uh, everything's in place to start the service so um, it's lovely to have you all here with us uh, those of you in the building and those of you on zoom the zoomers hello simona lovely to have you with us um, it's been a long time but uh, yeah it's been really good to see you this morning um, yeah so i'm just so pleased that we're all we've come together to to worship god and to hear from him this morning um there are a a few notices um one is about well next week we have an all-age service it it does say it's an all-age harvest service it's not, not quite. It's definitely all age. It's definitely a service. Um, not, not so much harvest, but more about God's creation. But uh, I do encourage you all to come next week and to invite people all along to that. It will be interactive, as it has been in our all age services have been in the past. So that's next Sunday at ten thirty. Martin, you wanted to give a notice.
1: So um, those who are on email have had an email um, correspondence about this, but if you're not on email um, or you're not yet on the email list, um, there are some hard copies just out on the table there or see Evelyn if you want um to be put on the list anyway and she can um, get your email and send it all out to you but um I've written to the to everyone about um a season of prayer and fasting that the leaders of the church um are calling um us to um obviously we're inviting you um you don't have to do it but we're we're asking that you prayerfully consider praying and fasting through the month of October for one day a week. Um, all of the details and notes I've put out in the email and on the letter um, there's even uh, an attachment of uh, from Pete Gregg about how to fast and what that might look like for different people, so um, please read it through, please consider um, fasting for one day a week uh, through October, the reason for this is. The power of prayer and fasting is, is proven um, to, uh, to break down barriers and to, be, to release growth. That's a reality. Um, it's seen nationally in the growth, growing churches that uh, prioritize prayer and fasting are those that are growing through conversion growth, um, people coming to know Jesus. And the reason for October is that on October the 8th, we start a brand new um, Emerge, programme on Sundays where we're inviting the children who come to emerge on a Sunday night to come on a sorry on a Monday night to come on a Sunday and we're inviting the parents to. And we need prayer and fasting to back this up, if we want to see God move powerfully and grow the church and to see lots of children and families joining the church. Power, the power of prayer and fasting is needed here. It's not about programs, it's not about changing things, it's about God's power breaking through. And you are all invited to join in seeing that happen as you pray and fast through the month of October. So um, I put out a prayer diary for the first week of October, and I will keep sending um, prayer diaries for each week of October so that every day you fast Well, every day you pray through the week, you've got things you can pray for um, to see God move in power. Okay, so it's so get behind this, get praying, get fasting. Let's see God move and bring growth in the life of the church. Amen. 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 Thank you.
0: Thank you, Martin. Uh, What's it It says? The prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. That's uh, good. And of course, we know that we're not righteous in our own strength, but in the strength of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to gather here this morning in openness and and safety to come and worship you. And we ask, Lord, that you will be present with us. We ask that your Holy Spirit will be present, that he will draw from us the worship that, uh, that you deserve, only you deserve and that uh, he will speak into our hearts that we might hear from you. And uh, yeah, we we just ask Lord, that you are with us this morning in our worship and in our hearing, in in the the word, in every aspect of this service, in Jesus name we ask, Amen. amen. Well, this is our harvest service. Um, we we don't take in produce, but we'll be hearing later about the work of BMS in Uganda. And uh, there's an opportunity to give financially to all that towards that work. Um, but of course, it does make us think about God and his love for uh, for us, his provision for us, for all that he's done for us. And uh, well, let's sing it, it, worship, some worship to our God, um, our glorious King, The God who has given us so much. Thank you. Thank you. Spirit leads to speak out words of of prayer, praise and adoration to our mighty God, the mighty God who loves us so much.
2: Allow us your will that we must serve it. Thank you,
3: Lord. Amen.
2: One Sabbath, Jesus was invited to dine with a ruler who was a Pharisee. As the meal progressed, the Pharisee said to Jesus, Why do your disciples not wash their hands when they eat? Jesus replied, Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees. You clean the outside of a cup, but the inside is full of wickedness. First clean the inside so that the outside is clean also. You are like a whitewashed tomb, outwardly beautiful, but inside full of dead men's bones and dust. You bind heavy burdens on man's shoulders, but disdain to lift your own finger. You have surely shut the door to heaven against yourselves and all those men you teach. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen.
1: Jesus, we just thank you that you said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, we thank you that you didn't come like the Pharisees to put burdens on people. You came to lift burdens off people. Lord, those who are weary, those who are struggling, those who are downhearted, those who are struggling with doubt and fears and difficult circumstances and sickness, Jesus, you came to release them. You came to set them free. You came to lift those burdens off them. And so, Jesus, we pray for those this morning who are, burdened with weariness, burdened with grief, burdened with sickness, burdened with difficult circumstances. We ask Jesus that even now as we meet in worship, that you would send your Holy Spirit among us in power to lift those burdens off people. Lord, even as we're singing, even as we're gathering, even as we're praying, even as we're reading your word together, we ask Jesus that you would break chains, you would bring healing, You would release people, Lord, from darkness, that you would lift those burdens, Jesus, and lift people up into your presence, because you are, as we've sung, Jesus, you are almighty God. You can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So give us the faith this morning, Jesus, to reach out and be healed in your name. Amen. Amen.
2: Glory to your holy name, because you are able to do more than we could ever ask. We could ever dream. You could do it. You've done it on the cross. You've rose from death to bring us new life. Give us new life. Give us a a zeal this morning afresh. Lift us from our gloom, from the tomb, to praise and worship you. Amen.
3: Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord
4: do we have an interpretation <laughs> Leaders, I'll call
0: you
4: Draw near to me it is because i want to be your strength i want to be the power within your life i want my holy spirit to have free ways within your spirit that you may be led by me that you will hear my voice saying this is the way and you will go my way and you will not go your way because my way is much better than your way and you will enjoy going my way thank you lord Amen. Praise you, Lord. Because you came. You came that we would be saved by grace through faith. Not by works. Not by rules and codes of moral behavior. Yes, Lord. We have our, our commandments, but they are for our benefit. And they are given to us in love. And you've given us the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that will help us to live the life that you would like us to live, to follow that moral code. But it's through faith, Lord, it's through faith. It's by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that we are saved, Lord. That is why we are here today. Let that message go out into the world, Lord, that they would look at your church and see sinners saved by grace, not righteous, self-righteous, holy individuals, obeying some moral code let them see you lord not us amen well glory be to you father god
2: your love never ends (laughs) it keeps on loving and loving and loving yes pour out your love this morning we pray Amen. amen amen
5: to come and into your presence you draw us and now by faith we come
2: oh glory
3: to your holy name glory to you lord amen (laughs)
0: Lord, by rights, we shouldn't be able to be in your presence. We shouldn't be able to look on your face and live. And yet, the wonder of it all is that you call us into your presence. You draw us into your presence. Not because we deserve it, not because we are righteous, but because of what Jesus has done. And our hearts are just full of thanksgiving. And if they're not, they should be thanksgiving to you, Jesus, for your death on the cross. Amen. Well, as I said, it's, it is our harvest uh, service. We're going to, um, in a minute, uh, watch a video about the BMS Harvest Appeal there are envelopes out in the foyer i know some people took them last week and may have brought them back this week there'll be an opportunity to fill them in this week or next week bring them in next week Um, could we take up the offering and then we'll watch the video thank you
7: I'm Genesis Achai, I am an agriculturalist. I have been doing this work for 10 years, supporting rural farmers so that they can feed their families and uh, all of my life, I've lived in Northern Uganda. Much as it looks green now, in the dry season, all this will be gone. Uganda is a very beautiful country with a lot of diversity, and it is always referred to as the pearl of Africa. It has fertile soil, which provides a very potential ground for farming. I lived during the Civil War in Uganda, and uh, it was very frightening. Uh, I remember in my school, we would uh, sleep with windows open and we would put our shoes on, just in case the rebel would come to abduct the students so you could go through the window and try to escape from them. And that is how our life would be. During the war, people were living internally displaced camp. The generation that were born during that time did not learn how to grow crops. So that knowledge was lost. And also with the climate change, the rainfall is very erratic and people don't know when to plant their seeds in the soil. We lost a number of people in northeastern Uganda due to famine because of crop failure. That was very serious because that used not to happen. The situation is heartbreaking and is affecting a number of people like Barbara.
8: I am a widow and I live with my parents and 11 children. Four of them are my own, but I also look after my sister's children after they got remarried. It is difficult to sustain the number of people living here. And my parents are elderly, so most of the responsibility falls on me. But I like sharing with the children. When we cook food, we sit down and we share. We tell stories. I really like that. My heaviest challenge is raising the money for school fees. Sometimes the children will be sent home from school because I did not have the money, so I was really worried. Another challenge is rainfall, especially last year. There was a prolonged dry spell, and I suffered crop failure that greatly affected our production in the first season. There is the big difference in farming compared to when I was young and growing up. It is very unreliable. But if I don't farm, I have nowhere to get food. So that is how I get motivated to keep on working hard. JLH has been supporting Barbara for the last two years. Since I have trained her on basic agricultural practices. She's provided with seedlings that she has been planting. We were trained on a lot of different vegetable productions. And most importantly, we were very happy when we received the seeds because some people were not able to buy them. I also learned the correct time for planting watermelons and all the other vegetables through the training. When I plant my crops in the field and I see they're growing well, I feel happy and hopeful for what will come. I believe that in the next two years, Barbara will become a model farmer and people will come to learn from her. We help people in a holistic way and we share our faith and joy in Jesus Christ. And this year, we invite you with us in a very special initiative to help farmers called Jack Cham that means good harvest. We have been taught in the church that when crops are harvested, we should bark them together and sell them as one through our brothers in Chekcham. We are very hopeful because when other companies come with very low prices and force you to sell at their price, now Chekcham always gives us the best price in the market. Next year, I am planning to grow a lot of onions and I'm very confident because of the training. Now I feel very happy, but I want to do it even better than what we see now.
7: This harvest, BMS and our local partner, JLH, will be doing all we can to support farmers in need. A gift of 12 pounds could enable a farmer like Barbara to safely store and sell their crops through chum Please give what you can today.
0: Thanks Jasper, thank you. Well, it's time for the, the children to go to their groups now. And uh, I thought it would be be good to have a time of prayer, a time of intercessory prayer, where we could pray for the work of of BMS in Uganda and in other places, but also for other people and situations um, that we're aware of, where um, God's help, God's blessing is needed. So as you feel led, again, um, let's uh, bring our intercessory prayers to, to God.
3: Lord, we thank you
1: for the work of uh, organizations, uh, BMS and JLH, their partners on the ground in Uganda. We pray, Lord, for the market uh, that ensures fair prices for crops harvested. Lord, we thank you for this work that uh, we're witnessing today. And Father, we pray your blessing on the, on the harvest there in the project there in Uganda. Lord, we pray that um, there would be a harvest of food, but we pray also, Lord, that there would be a harvest of souls as the gospel is proclaimed through that ministry, through that church, through the Christians there. We pray, Lord, that you would keep sowing the seed of your gospel in that place and that it would bear fruit, that men and women, children, would come to know Jesus Christ um, as their savior. And also, Lord, that you would Uh, bring good harvests throughout Uganda this year that would enable people to be fed physically, but also, Lord, you continue to bless um, and water the the seed of your gospel that many people would come to know Jesus. We ask all this in his name. Amen. Amen.
3: Father, I Tony's Lord, to trust you, and to in the circumstances, Lord. Just pray that through
5: the circumstances but, uh, she and her partner and little boy may come to know you, Lord. Just pray for your comfort upon Tony as well, and also Tony's mum, and the wider family, Lord. Just
3: uh, give them that touch of your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So they, they become homeless or unattached
2: for one reason or another the of their lives either through disaster or in their country mm. or somehow they become detached to the system in this country I have often tried to imagine how that would be and it must be like a load, like a load of noise, you know, so. you know, it's almost like now out, You're thinking a bit of the... And I think at this time, you know, there's so much going on that we can become numb from it, used to it. You know, another disaster, another this, another
3: that. And I pray that you, you, you help us, yeah. those of us you know, that have the, the, um, really the luxury
2: you know, of uh, being able to go home. Yeah. These people don't. The luxury of, like I do, I know that when I go home I've got food in the fridge. You know. <laughs> And, and, and you know the luxury of, of, of being settled. and I pray that these people, you know, can become settled both abroad and at home. Yes, and when they settle to leave there in the waves, they we live there in the waves where they are in peace. Lord, mm. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, I just really want
5: to pray that. Those situations, and I just really pray that you will know, just <clears throat> get in peace, Lord, and just really help up for the sake of your son, sick of your kingdom. Yeah. Um, and just really pray for my friend Sarah, um, um, who is desperately needs of operation, but her key surgery on John, her tomei, Lord, bless the Lord. Than just really hope proper, high, pray, Lord. You would just tomorrow when she phones up, for, for goodness sake, Lord, do you want just uh, help them to get a date? like uh, date, Lord. But well, when she phones up, for goodness sake, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. And so just really pray, Lord, that from the depth of my heart, when she finds out to mind, I will tell her thank for goodness sake, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you,
3: Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.
5: Amen. Amen. Father God, we just pray for leaders of nations, whether they be prime ministers. Presidents, kings, queens, whatever their role. Father, we pray that you would give them your wisdom, that somehow, even if they don't know you, that through your Spirit you will influence their decisions. Oh, Father God, they have such responsibility for your world, your creation, and for all your people. So, Lord, we just pray. That through your Holy Spirit, you will be with them and that you will guide them in the decisions that they make. We ask
3: in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Father, we do cry out to you for situations all over the world that have touched our hearts, Lord, when we see those um, suffering, the effects of floods and earthquakes and war, and it just seems never-ending. Yeah. And we know, Lord, that your word warns us about such situations, but we we do ask for a powerful moving of your spirit in these places that uh, those who who know you already may be prompted to do what they can to help and that those who don't know you will come to know you in in, even in the most dreadful situation, Lord, you are sovereign, you can work just great, great miracles and we ask that you would do that, Lord. Um, and the biggest miracle of all, I think, is, is people coming to know you and uh, having, knowing salvation, knowing where they're going for eternity, Lord. And uh, yeah, on a happier note, we're surrounded by evidence of the wedding that took place here on Friday. And we do ask for your blessing on Chloe and Jane's as they are beginning their married life together Lord and uh, the wonderful prayers that were prayed over them on Friday that they might make you the center of their lives and we we echo that that prayer Lord that uh, you will be with them in in their their marriage we thank you for all that you've given us we ask for your blessing on the offering that's coming the the funds that are coming into this church and the gifts that have been given to BMS Lord may you bless them and use them amen the reading that we have this morning is Luke chapter 11 from verse 37 to verse 54. And uh, yeah, we have a, another meal with another Pharisee. So, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not wash first before the meal, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, now then you pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish but inside you're full of greed and wickedness you foolish people did not the one who made the outside make the inside also but give what is inside the dish to the poor and everything will be clean for you woe to you pharisees because you give god a tenth of your mint rue and all other kinds of garden herbs But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, teacher, When you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your forefathers who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your forefathers did. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus left there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Father God, these can't have been easy words for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to hear, and they may be uncomfortable words for us too. Just pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit will be with us now as we hear for uh, what Martin has to say. Would you bless him? Would you take um, the preparation that he has made and speak to us, Lord, in, in your words, that we might hear from you and that we might put into practice what you're saying to each one of us. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.
1: Thank you, Alison, for leading us so well. Um, I want to speak today about how to avoid the sin of um, hypocrisy. Um, First, a definition, Cambridge Online Dictionary defines hypocrisy, uh, a situation in which someone pretends to believe something that they do not believe or, um, excuse me, that is the opposite of what they do or say at another time. And the Cambridge Dictionary give an example of this, um, quote, her strangest criticism was reserved for the Prime Minister." whom she accused of nauseating hypocrisy, as if that would ever happen. The Greek word for hypocrisy in the New Testament is hypocrisis, and it means acting on a stage. In the Greek theater, actors would play more than one role by going off stage, grabbing a mask for each character that they played. In other words, they pretended to be someone who they weren't using a mask. And this is exactly what the religious leaders in Jesus' day were doing. They were playing a role, they were putting on masks. And no one had harsher words when speaking directly to the Pharisees and teachers of the law than Jesus did. Kevin DeYoung, defines hypocrisy in the Bible in this way, quote, hypocrisy is the gap between someone's public persona and private character. Hypocrisy is the failure to practice what you preach. Hypocrisy is appearing outwardly righteous to others while being full of uncleanness and self-indulgence. The passage teaches us three ways to avoid the sin of hypocrisy. The first two ways are negative examples that Jesus draws from a critique of the Pharisees and law scholars. And the third way is Jesus' positive command for how we can be clean on the inside and not just on the outside. So the occasion for this dialogue and confrontation is another meal Um, with a Pharisee, verse 37. When, When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. So it was Jesus deliberately not washing his hands that provoked this confrontation. Jesus was not keeping the rules of the Pharisees. First point, to avoid hypocrisy, don't focus only on outward purity. Don't focus out only on outward purity. Uh, The Pharisees developed an extensive tradition of law, which they applied in minute to absolutely every area of life. To the extent that they added um, over 600 additional Um, commands to the original commands that were there in the books of Moses. They just kept adding more and more and more detail. And some of them are, quite frankly, ridiculous. You weren't allowed to lift pieces of wood on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed uh, to heal on the Sabbath, which seems bizarre, doesn't it? So there's Jesus going around doing good and healing on the Sabbath, and he's criticized and condemned by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And so are the people that he healed. Seems bizarre, doesn't it? That he should be criticized for doing good on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be working, they were saying, as if healing is some kind of work and labor. Strange. They missed the crucial significance that it's not about what we do on the outside that counts, it's about the state of our inside. Then the Lord said to them, now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? The Pharisees got it the wrong way around. They believed that they could be contaminated on the inside by stuff on the outside. And actually, it's the other way around. So they, for example, believe that if they ate with the wrong people, people who weren't keeping all their rules, tax collectors and sinners, if they ate with them, they believe that they could be contaminated on the inside. But Jesus reverses that, doesn't he? He has a holy contagiousness. Rather than being contaminated by eating with the wrong people, Jesus spreads the love and holiness of God. He transforms those who are not holy to be righteous and holy. It goes exactly the other way round to the way that the Pharisees thought it worked. Jesus brings cleansing from the inside out, not from the outside in. And Jesus uses an illustration. Um, The Pharisees are only concerned for the outside of the cup or bowl. They're not concerned for the inside. They're keeping up appearances, right? Whereas actually Jesus says it's like you're drinking from a bowl or a cup, which looks to be clean on the outside, but actually on the inside it's full of dirt. It's unhealthy. You can you imagine if you if you said, Oh, my cup's clean on the outside and then some you you give it to somebody, a guest, and they look inside and it's full of dirt. They're gonna go, I'm not drinking from that, right? Mm-hmm. Looks beautiful on the outside, but you hand them a dirty cup on the inside. It's more important what's going on the inside of the cup than it is on the outside, right? Because if your drink's put on the inside, it's going to be contaminated by what's inside the cup. Um, Lipstick aside, on the outside, right? (laughs) It's It's just as important what's on the inside as on the outside. Make sure the dish or cup of your life is clean from the inside out. Um, Jesus is more interested in what's inside you than he is what you look like on the outside, which is kind of good news, isn't it, for most of us? Amen? (laughs) So when we're baptized underwater by full immersion, that's a symbol on the outside of an inward cleansing, isn't it? That's a sign that we've been washed by Jesus on the inside. We've had a bath. We are clean. But Jesus did use foot washing as as an illustration of staying clean, didn't he? Do you remember? Peter said to Jesus, look, don't just wash my feet. Wash my whole body. And Jesus said to Peter, those who've had a bath don't need to keep having a bath. Right? Otherwise, you know, you... ...you'd say, well I've been baptized, but I should be baptized again, I need another full bath, no, you don't need to keep being baptized, you've come to faith, you've been cleansed on the inside, symbolized on the the outside by baptism, you don't need to keep being baptized, right, but we do pick up dirt from the journey of faith, right. So Jesus washed the feet of his disciples because when they used to walk between houses, there was lots of dust and dirt and other things on the road, other nasties, right? Nobody going cleaning up after the horses, right? And so people's feet and hands would be dirty when they reached someone's house. So it was the duty of the slave to wash their feet. They didn't need to have a bath, right? No one's going to say, have you showered before the meal? They'd already bathed or showered, right? But they did need to have their feet washed. And it's like that for us as Christians. We pick up dirt on our hands and feet along the way. We don't need another bath, we've been washed clean by Jesus, but we do pick up impurities along the way. Which is why Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. So we do need to confess our sin every day and be washed clean of the impurities that we pick up every day, don't we? That's why confession of sin is so important. Don't need a bath, but you do need your feet washed and your hands washed through confession, right? Jesus rebuked the focus of the Pharisees on outward purity by giving them three woes. Sometimes we joke, we say, woe is me, don't we? Well, a woe is a warning or a curse from God that if you persist on this course of sin, Bad things are gonna happen. God's judgment will come upon you. The first woe Jesus pronounced was about tithing. Verse 42, woe to you Pharisees, because you give a 10th of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs. Um, We'd be in trouble here, because we don't have any of these. Some of you do. Some of you are those annoying people that when Jamie Oliver goes and says, you need to get some mint from the garden, you've got it in the garden and you brush your hand over the beautiful herbs and you go, oh, beautiful. Well, those other plebs like me who go to the cupboard and you get out your spices in a little plastic pot, all sad plastic pots, because you haven't got the skill or the time or the energy or the desire to grow the herbs yourself. But that's not you, that's me. And Jesus critiqued the Pharisees because they had made the law so ridiculously detailed and, and they, they were majoring on the minors, right? Jesus isn't interested whether they tithe a tenth of their mint, rue, and cumin, right? Don't care. It's the principle of the, the heart of love and justice behind tithing. Jesus says, don't neglect tithing, but don't make it into a minute of rules. You undo all the good of tithing. Nonsense. Tithe, but don't go down to the minute of herbs. Tithe generously from the heart, with a heart of love and justice. They get it all the wrong way round, don't they? They major on the minors. Are we people then who love God and are concerned to give to the BMS appeal, not because we're trying to impress other people or feel better about ourselves, let it come from a heart of generosity and love and a desire for God's justice right, whether you give big amounts or small amounts, let it be given with a heart that's undivided and pure. The second woe Jesus pronounced on the Pharisee was their love of self-importance, verse 43. Woe to you Pharisees because you love the most important seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace. They wanted the seats that were elevated and separate from the congregation. Um, And the warning to us is clear. Don't seek in honor self-importance from positions of serving in the church or wherever you are. Don't serve to get noticed or to get honored or to bolster your own sense of power or self-importance. Our motivation for serving should always be, I love the Lord. This is my act of gratitude and service because of his mercy to me in the cross. That's the only proper motivation for service. It's not about us. It's about Christ, the audience of one, right? The third woe Jesus pronounced was verse 44. Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves which men walk over without knowing it. Contact with a grave made someone unclean for seven days. And so grave sites were clearly marked so people didn't accidentally walk over them without knowing it. And like an invisible grave, no one realized that they'd been defiled from contact with the Pharisees until it was too late. They were like unmarked graves, you'd walk over them and be defiled, in other words, the Pharisees brought not life and mercy and love and forgiveness to people, they're like unmarked graves that you walk over and get defiled from. They bring death, not life, they bring burden, not joy and release. If we're all about our own self-promotion and power and status, we're not gonna bring life to other people, are we? Are we? But if if we're serving out of a love for Jesus, we're gonna bring life to others. Second point, to avoid hypocrisy, don't put unnecessary burdens on others. An expert in the Jewish law spoke up in defense of the Pharisee, he's offended by Jesus, right? Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us as well. This then resulted in three further woes on the teachers of the law. <laughs> so the Pharisees have just got it, and now the teachers of the law are going get, to get it. They weigh people down with the burdens of the law. Verse 46, here it is. And you, experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift a finger to help them. They kept adding more and more laws and detail and minute. so that even those who are suffering with sickness, they opposed them being healed on the Sabbath. How ridiculous is that? They turned the law from a blessing to a curse rejecting those who had heavy burdens to carry and stopping them from being healed or released or delivered because that was seen as work on the Sabbath. How ridiculous is that? How contrary to God's intention in the law is that? The law was there to set boundaries, to bring health and healing and wholeness and freedom to people, not to weigh them down, Let's make sure that we don't weigh people down with burdens. You know, our own expectations of how they should be. People can be quite um, unsympathetic and insensitive to one another, can't they? Let's watch our words. Let's watch how we relate to people and speak to people. You might think, I know, and I know throwaway comments like, uh, lift your chin up. I had when I was going through grief when I lost my mother. Someone said to me, oh, get your chin up. I felt like punching them. But on the inside, I'm saying, Lord, help me to have compassion and forgiveness for this person. And let's watch what we say. Let's not put burdens on people and tell them to lift their chin up when they're struggling with grief, right? Don't tell people to get their lives together and snap out of it when they're struggling with grief, carrying burdens. We're here to help people, to have burdens lifted off them, not to add to them, right? Don't be a Pharisee to people. Be a life giver to people. You're here to lift burdens, not add them to people. So that's uh, my little prophetic aside, I think. Second, Jesus pronounced woe on the lawyers for rejecting the prophets and Jesus as Messiah. Verse 47, woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your forefathers who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your forefathers did. They killed the prophets and you build their tombs. You know, they used to build tombs to try and assuage their consciences, their guilt about killing the prophets who they said they loved and treasured but they killed the prophets, they stoned the prophets, and then they built great memorials to honor them to try and deal with their guilt for rejecting them and opposing them. And Jesus says, look, these tombs testify that you are rejecting me as Messiah, just as your forefathers rejected the prophets before me, you're now testifying by continuing to build temp tombs for the prophets. You, You are guilty by default. By building these tombs, you're showing that you, you carry guilt for rejecting them and, and killing them. You see, building tomb didn't reject, didn't remove their guilt. They, the tombs were a reminder of the death that they brought to the prophets. And now they were a reminder that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were rejecting Jesus as Messiah. The one who came to give life was going to be put to death very soon by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They rejected the law and the prophets, all of which Jesus said pointed to him, right? All of the law and the prophets pointed to Jesus. And now as they reject him, they're rejecting not just the Messiah, but all of the law and the prophets who came before them who pointed to him. And of course, a little bit later, we'll find them plotting to kill him, but along with the winding the people up at the, cruci- at the scene of his trial to call out, crucify him. What's the application for us? Very simple: for those who are seeking faith, let's not put rules and regulations in their path that cause them to miss Jesus. You know, we have very subtle ways as as churches and Christians of missing the point, just like the Pharisees, right? You know, we invite people in, we bring guests and visitors in, and then we burden them with a whole set of rules and expectations. Well, if you're going to be part of this community, oh dear. No, we say to people, Jesus loves you. Jesus welcomes you, Jesus has given his life to forgive you, he accepts you just as you are, with all your problems, guilt, shame, sin, he loves you and he welcomes you so much that he gave his life on the cross for you, that's what we say. And when they come to faith, we then start saying, oh yeah, by the way, now you've received the Holy Spirit, you can love God and keep his commands. But when people are not there, you don't load them down with condemnation and lists of rules and, oh, this is what we wear here. Or this is what we don't wear here. This is how we behave here. Oh, dear. Oh. Do you think that for someone seeking Christ, that's going to enable them to make a journey to know and love Jesus? No way. Don't put burdens on people who are seeking Christ. Don't put burdens on them. Jesus didn't. We shouldn't. Don't put obstacles in the way of Jesus, the life giver. Lest we weigh people down with more guilt and shame. We're called to share Jesus, who is good news for the broken, the downhearted, the weary, the struggling. So if that's you today, Jesus is good news for you. He doesn't expect you to have your life together and sorted when you walk in this place. But he does say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He does say there is healing through my blood. He does say there is forgiveness through the cross for your sin. He does say there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus he does say cast all your cares and anxieties onto me for I care for you he does say there is nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God in me in Christ that's what Jesus says it's good news third coming into land to avoid hypocrisy Jesus commands us to focus on the inner cleansing of our hearts. Verse 41. Woe to you experts. Sorry. Is that right? Verse 41, Jasper, have we got that? Or have I missed it out? I've missed it out. Sorry. (laughs) The Pharisees were not known for their generosity and compassion towards the poor they gave alms to the poor not out of compassion and love but as a show they wanted people to see how generous they were right on the inside Jesus said you're full of envy malice greed and self-righteousness I'm going to show my age here I think it was in the 80s or 90s uh, some of you I, I apologize if you're younger and you go oh he's off on an 80s Nostalgia Fest again. Sorry, I apologize. Back in the 80s and 90s, there was a sitcom called Keeping Up Appearances with Hyacinth Bouquet. Her name really was Bucket, Mrs. Bucket, right? But she used to say, Lady of the House speaking, Mrs. Bouquet. And her life was a complete mess. It was chaos. But on the outside, she presented this kind of whitewashed tomb of being together, sorted out, Mrs. Bouquet, when really she was Mrs. Bucket with a life messier than yours and mine, right? Well, that's what the Pharisees were like. They projected this self-image of having it all together and sorted out, and they were full on the inside of greed, self-centeredness, self-righteousness. Jesus says... This, the good man brings good things out of the good news, sorry, the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So there's dirt on the inside. It's gonna come out through your mouth. It's what's in the heart that's important. It's what's on the inside that comes out through the mouth and through your actions, words, attitudes. You see a few outward religious practices of hand washing and all these Sabbath rules and tithing mint and cumin and dill and all the rest of it, they don't make anybody clean. What makes someone clean is when they've been washed by Jesus, by faith, by grace alone, right? We are clean from the inside out through the death and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. When you've been washed clean on the inside, then you can do good on the outside, right? With a clean and undivided and pure heart. We need to make sure that we go on having hearts that are pure and undivided because our hearts get mixed motives, don't they, over time? They do. We start serving with mixed motives, self-importance, self-righteousness, a desire for power, approval, recognition. And we need God to constantly renew our hearts, don't we? Because our hearts do get hard and we need them to be constantly softened by the work of the spirit so that we're serving out of love and not a desire to be noticed or to have self-importance. I love this prophecy from Ezekiel about the new covenant, through Jesus. This is what Ezekiel prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus came. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the power and the love to follow Jesus and keep the commands. He gives us a new heart, and we all need a new heart. We all need our hearts that become hard over time to be softened again and again and again by the rain and water of the Holy Spirit, don't we? So that we're serving and loving out of love and a renewed heart, not like the Pharisees. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we confess before you today that sometimes our hearts do get hard, that sometimes we serve you and serve others with the wrong mixed motives, Lord. We're looking for recognition, affirmation, self-importance, power, status. Lord, we confess our sin, we turn away from it, and we turn Jesus again to following you Jesus, fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts again, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, so that we might be those who are serving you out of pure, undivided hearts that are full Father of your love and compassion. Forgive us, Lord, for those times when we're more like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Forgive us, Lord, where we've loaded and weighed people down with guilt, when we should have been bringing them life. Father, help us to bring your life, your forgiveness, your hope, your good news to everyone that we come into contact with, and especially, Jesus, those who are seeking you. Fill us afresh, Holy Spirit, we pray, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
0: well we can't do any of this without the holy spirit can we and um yeah just continuing martin's prayer to fill us with the holy spirit we're going to sing um uh, it's a prayer really breathe on me breath of god When I was looking at songs for this morning, I came across one that I I don't know, but um, the word struck me. And uh, I suppose it's just saying the same thing again. When I fix my eyes on you, turning from all things untrue, you change me, Lord, from the inside out. You take the simple things I do, turn them into something new to glorify you from the inside out. So take my life as an offering. All that I am is yours alone. Holy Spirit, restore me. Lord, I bow before all your throne. Every breath, every thought, Lord, take them and make them pure. Please captivate, please captivate me from the inside out. I'm thirsty, Lord, for more of you. Please take me and mold me, make me new from the inside out from the inside out. You change me, Lord, from the inside out. Lord, I just pray that we will look to you to be changed from the inside out. Would you show us those times when we're in danger of being like the Pharisees? Would you enable us to, to turn to you, to plead to, with you for the, the filling of your Holy Spirit? And we know that you will do that because it's what you long to do, what you have promised to do. Please change us from the inside out that what we show to the world may be, maybe you, Lord, not ourselves, not something that we're pretending to be, that we're not, maybe show others, Jesus, amen. Amen.